welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And on Sunday nights, we have this thing that we try to do, which is show up and care for you, bars. So it's me and the whole gang on the side here. We answer your questions. So you can jump in, you can ask a question, you can answer a question, you can be a part of this community that we are starting because we know that Sunday nights are the most terrifying for teachers. I have something new that I'm starting tomorrow and I'm like, I get like a little nervous whenever I have some kind of kooky idea. So uh, there's so there's a number of other ways that you can connect as well. You can go on Facebook, go to Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk and sign up there and be a part of the, part of the closed Facebook group. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and all that other stuff. There's, I can come to your school and speak. Um, you should come with me. To schools? Yeah, speak? what if we Whoa. spoke together? Oh, tandem. Wants to listen call. To me. I'm not Real Rapid Reynolds Tandem Talk. Okay. <laughs> that was dumb. Um, or just get the book when it comes out. My book, uh, Real Rap with Reynolds, or no, not Real Rap with Reynolds. Uh, what the hell is it called? <laughs> Teacher Class Off. The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is coming out in the beginning of April. And I'm actually, I think, I'm going to say this, and then maybe you'll agree and maybe you'll yell at me. Uh-huh. Uh, I just got the cover. It's done. 100% done. I am going to put that up on the Facebook group. Found... Not tonight. No, darn. We'll put it up soon. I knew I do it. I yep. do this thing. Nope. You do this thing where I just say I'm going to do stuff and then you reel it in. Thank yes, you. You're welcome. Why not? Why not tonight? Because do we have to talk I, about it. Primarily? Well, no, because I think that they. No one's listening. It's okay. <laughs> I have a reason, and I'll tell you later. So you don't want to share it in front of all these people, right? <laughs> Stop okay. putting me on the all right, spot. I got it. So uh, we will put it up as soon as it's ready. It's almost ready. When? Yes, it's done. I don't it's know. Not done? Well, so no. Is it going to be a change that only you notice? No, no, no. no. It's does? not. A, no, we already did you that. have a lot of those. No, I think that like when we get an official copy from the publisher, I think yeah. it like looks like a book and has the shadow. I remember Teach Better to that. Oh, and someone else okay. just so did they that. like, like they like yeah. superimpose it on a book, so like you yes. actually get a sense of it. Right. All right. Do you want to wait for that, or you don't no, like? Uh, for not for the Facebook group. Let's okay, then we can there. put it. Up. You can put it up tonight if you. I will. I'm going to put it up after this. It's just the yeah. image. It's not like it, like so they make it look like it's on a book when you get it from the publisher and stuff. Um, that's a fake book anyway. It's not my <laughs> it real is. book. Okay, move along. Anyway, so that's it. I think that's all the things. Um, so if you have a question, just write question and then put it on there, or you can just put Q and put it on there because that is shorthand for question, and I will answer as many as I can in this hour or so that we do this. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump into them. Um, real quick, can I have a random thing I want to say real quick? I love this so much, and I sometimes it is the fact that I'm the only person that talks that is like sort of bothersome. Um, I wish we could all like meet up every week. I wish that was an actual thing, but I don't know how that could actually work, but it would be. Unless you're willing to pay for everyone's airline ticket. It would just be so fun. It would be fantastic, but. Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk live, like in person. Well, what if you had like an actual, not a conference, but like. Just met up, could have it at a bar. It's like a conference, but it's a one day. It's like a live show live. I don't know how far everyone is though. If we did it like on a Saturday, so people would have off on Sunday. Yeah. It'd just be great. That's a lot of people that watch this thing. It is. That'd be like 2,000 people in one place. It'd be fun. That'd be awesome. That would be like a concert. 
Tracy Pinter would come twice. She's <laughs> Gloves concerts. Anyway, all right, let's jump into this. Um, Brooke is asking, I started my internship this week, uh, Bell to Bell, teaching Bell to Bell since, oh, I almost forgot about that, that term. Um, since my CT was out with the flu. Oh my gosh. I walked 16,000 to 18,000 steps every day. Is that normal? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Look, I, maybe someone else could speak to that. I teach in the same room every day. I like that my piece of plywood is over here that I blocked oh, the I dogs and he's in the I kitchen. Um, I teach in the same room every day. And so I don't, I don't know what my step count would be. I should check that out. I have Fitbit. Um, that, you, do, you should track it. One I day. should, I will. I, I'm going to do it. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, so that's just interesting to me. It is a lot of work though i will say like i don't know if that's normal but i know that it was normal for me the first day that i actually i don't even think student teaching i think actual teaching which is, it sounds like what you're doing now because someone's out with the flu i came home that night school was over at four i got home around five and i fell asleep we ate dinner i had a giant chicken oh, parmesan sandwich and I fell asleep on the floor in my living room and I woke up in the middle of the night and went to bed and like dead to the world tired. It was, I was just crushed. So yeah, so that, that is normal. I don't know the step thing. Cause I don't, I don't count. I'm an English teacher. Oh, I didn't uh, you didn't. Is it right there? Yeah, I got it. Um, Jacob Ingram is asking, what have you done lately for weird Friday? Great question. I do something similar called Deep Dive Friday. Also, if you get a chance, you can update the playlist on your channel. Yes, I will. Um, so just yesterday, Friday, we watched a channel called, I think it's called Primitive Technologies, something like that. It is these two guys, I think they're in India, and they make things with just sticks. So they'll have like a stick, like with a point on the end. And they go out in their shorts, no shoes on or anything, to the jungle. And they make like swimming pools and water slides. They make concrete with their hands, just mixing dirt and sand and uh, and water. They make paint out of plants. I mean, it is it is the epitome of making something from nothing. And so I showed my students and we just had this interesting conversation about like what sometimes you think you need all these things to to be happy, to have enough to, to create something. And it's like, no, these dudes, like the stuff that they make is so incredibly simple um, and and amazing that it's like, what what excuse do any of us have to, to not kind of try and make any, something? It just kind of inspires you to think, I can make something from nothing. Let me see what I can do. And so that was my my latest one. Um, I will update the, the playlist though, because it's been a while. So- Good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I love you. <laughs> um, next question. Oh, so, oh, and then Jacob Ingram is saying, starting my second week of student teaching tomorrow. Any tips? Um, so I think I'd love to know like what your first week was like and like what you saw worked and what didn't work. Cause that might, that might inform my conversation, but I think it is just, I, I, I'm going to give a, a like slightly new piece of advice because I answer this question the same all the time. I think not being so hard on yourself that you might not, if this is the case, if you are not reaching the level of success, engagement, 
um, connection with students that you want to be at. The dog is putting his slobbery ball, ball on my lap to try and get me to play with him. Dude, we're doing a live feed right now. Come on. Um, I, I think be kind with yourself. That would be my, my piece of advice. Teachers often get into this game um, called teaching. And then when they don't do well right away, they start beating themselves up. And it's not worth beating yourself up because it's a craft, right? You wouldn't take a week's long, like a, like a week of lessons of, uh, of, of ukulele, unicorns rock, and, um, and beat yourself up that you couldn't like play you know, your favorite jam afterwards, or you wouldn't take piano lessons for a week and then beat yourself up that you weren't like, you know, amazing. I was trying to think of an amazing piano player and I couldn't think of anybody. The only person that came to mind was Elton John. That felt like a weird reference, but uh, <laughs> so just be kind with yourself and like, keep trying to get better a little bit at a time. I have a video coming out about this. Um, I'm trying to drop tomorrow called uh, uh, what if you suck as a teacher and because I get a lot of emails about that, like, I really think I suck. And it's like, well, maybe you do. But like, there's definitely you, there's things you can do to get better. So I don't care what you suck at, you could practice a lot. And maybe you're not, you know, the next LeBron James of teaching, but you could definitely be like, like, a real like the best version of yourself. And I'm going to talk about like how I think people could go about and do that. Um, Piano boy, piano boy is someone that was around for a long time. And then he left on an excursion. I don't really know where he went. Um, and then Life. he came back. He was on Odyssey and now he's back. So what are you most excited about to teach this semester? So I'm teaching Merchant of Venice right now. And it's not, it's not, Merchant of Venice is not my favorite Shakespeare play. Like I would much rather teach for my guys, either Romeo and Juliet or Othello. And those are not opportunities that I have in my school. So I have to teach Merchant of Venice. And so I'm trying to come up with ways to do stuff like a little bit cooler. So I just bought these things the other day. Um, AC Moore is going out of business and I've been taking advantage of that as much as I can. So I bought like these white boxes. They were white like that. And then I spray painted one of them gold, which you see in just a couple spots, but it was dark in the shed. I thought it was lighter than that. So this one's gold. This one's silver I spray painted. And... They and then there's a lead one, which I just bought a black box, which is in the back. So when we are reading the Merchant of Venice, there are three boxes: gold, silver, and lead. And the short of it is, I'm going to have them on the table in the front with like candles around them, and like kind of make it look cool and make it look like like I I, I always want my kids to say like at least in their heads like what the hell is Reynolds doing? That's that's like my go-to when they come into class. So what the hell is Reynolds doing? I have this stuff in the front. And then as the characters open those boxes, like it will be like one every few days, there'll be whatever they talk about. I'm going to have like this white cotton batting, like um, we use it for snow all the time in our window. Like we make displays for Christmas in the kitchen. Um, that was oddly specific that I gave you all those details, but we're going to put, I'm going to put in there also like whatever the thing is. So like whether there's a key or a picture or whatever the thing is in there, I want to, make that and so when we get to that part i'll say we're not going to read that part i want you to open the box whoever's the reading that part will open the box and then see what's inside and read the little scroll that comes with it so that's that's what i'm planning on doing and so it's not just about it's about taking what i'm given and running with it as hard as i can anyway so when i have to do certain stuff like look i, I just think that this is like a muscle that needs to be exercised by teachers and by people in general like in my life i've had jobs that sucked 
And when those jobs sucked, I figured out ways to make them fun. So whether it's working at Home Depot and wearing a clown nose to work, um, which my bosses didn't love, but every single child that ever came in loved it. Or um, when I used to pretend uh, when I worked at Taco Bell that I was from the South. And so I would talk like this all the time. And I just (laughs) pretended that was like real, how I really talked. Like no matter where I worked, I just found a way to make it fun. And I think that in teaching, that's a, that's a muscle that we need to exercise so that everything can become engaging. Um, except for diagramming sentences. That is just, that's just heavy lifting and you gotta do the work that needs to be done. Unicorns is asking, um, if you don't know, Unicorns Rock is my, is my friend. She plays ukulele and she has an excellent Instagram uh, feed that you should go check out. Just look up Unicorns Rock. I can't believe, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of other people that are, uh, yeah they're not going to find a whole bunch of those so what do teacher evaluations in your district look like in my district we have differentiated and supervision model three-year cycle every three years were observed you so ours is so weird like my when i worked in camden it was a checklist and this guy would come in and he would not pay attention to my teaching he would check things off or not check things off and I'd always get about a C, C plus, but that's because he wasn't paying attention. And it was spurred, like you never knew when he was going to come in. So it could be like, you're taking a test and he's like, observed you taking a test or you were, I don't know, kids were doing like independent silent reading and he would be like observing you do. It's like, dude, can you come in? Like when I at least have like a lesson, I'm t- like something to observe. You can, there are things to observe in those moments, but not really. So then when I went to Philly, it was my principal observed me and I didn't know when he was going to come in either. But he would write up these reviews that were like three pages long of everything you did and how you did it. And they were the most useful observations I've ever gotten in my life. And plus, he was a really great dude. Like he's like one of the best like he, I can't imagine having an administrator that like I would have liked going into West Philly more. Um, and then that's shifted. And now the guy who does it now is like our head of curriculum who, and uh, my department head used to do it, but head of curriculum comes in and again, like doesn't let you know when, but he comes in for these really short observations. And then that is leading to this year, we have to create a portfolio where we have to like, we have goals, we have to, so I come up with my own goals and then I have to, like report in every trimester how I'm doing on those goals and show some sort of like, like proof of like that I'm growing. So one of my goals is to have my students become stronger writers and to realize that their story is important um, because, or rather because their story is important because that's not really measurable, but like we go from writing this many sentences clear and concise to writing this many sentences in journal article, um, journal things um in journals i don't know why that became so difficult to say but in doing that um so my students will do this thing where they will write something and then i say does anyone want to share your journal and in the beginning of the year i let them just tell the story if they want but as the year goes on you're not allowed to just tell the story you have to read your story first and then what that is is an exercise in the story they tell is this long what they write is this long So if you want to tell the story, you have to write it and then you have to read it from your journal. And that is incentivizing because like eventually 
the kids really like all of that attention that they're getting from other students because they're telling something that's really funny. And now you have to write it first. And so that's, that's one of those things. So that's, that's it. We don't have like any kind of like crazy district observations. There's no kind of like madness behind it. It's like our school keeps things like very simple with a lot of things. Like we don't do, I don't do lesson plans. I haven't had to do a lesson plan in the last 10 years. Um, my unit plans get tweaked from year to year, but I haven't done a lesson or a unit plan in the last five years or so. It's like very, very simple. And they cut out a lot of that kind of like extraneous kind of paperwork nonsense. And I love, that's one of the things I really love about my school. Uh, Mr. Ramos's third bird. That is <laughs> hilarious. I love it. Um, Mr. Ramos. I feel like I knew a Ramos at one time. Anyway, I know growth is more important than grades in elementary school, but how do you get kids excited to read when they are in, when they are at a kindergarten level? That's a really great question. I, I would say, so this is another one. Sometimes these questions are like, I don't know what you have access to and what you're allowed to do. I think a couple of things. And so this is one of the things I would love if people could, uh, Mr. Ramos's third bird, if you could like do at Mr. Ramos's third bird. And then if you have an answer for him, help him help him out on the side. I would say one of two things. I think that audiobooks are underrated. I think that teachers don't think that they are legit and that kids are really learning to read. But I think if you're listening to an audiobook and you're following along, that's huge. I think text to speech is huge too. So if you have a tablet or something along those lines, anything that has the capability to take a picture of a page and then read it while the kid's listening to it, that's huge also. I'm also wondering about, um, I'm not sure what grade did he teach, did he say? I think he's talking about elementary, but they're lower level readers if they're yeah. elementary and they're reading on a kindergarten level. I would say one of the things I've done in the past when I taught kids in Camden, I don't know if you remember this in, in initiative, our high school students okay. would go down to like the third, second, first grade level, and they would pick a book and they would read the book to the kids or have those kids read to them. And so your students might be on a low level, but chances are they're like, if they were reading to a kindergartner, that kindergartner is not going to think twice if they are struggling. Plus, you give them the children's book ahead of time so they can read through it, familiarize themselves with it. It's not like a huge text. And they're reading it to those kids that I think can build self-esteem, can build awareness, can help them prepare. And they're still reading, but they're just doing it on like, um, so like they're doing on a, on a lower level that they might be able to be the champion of. So when I do the children's books with my uh, students and I just put a video out yesterday and I have like a whole other video about like how I did this, how I make children's books with my kids. Um, it's, it sets the, the bar so low, but it also creates this space where it's like everyone thinks they can do it well enough, but you're still writing complete sentences. You still have to tell a whole story, but in, in less. So there's no fluff because you're like, it's like maybe 20 sentences, the whole project or something like that. But are you being concise? Are you being clear? Are you actually attaching what's in that image to what's in your sentences and like telling a beginning, a middle and end? setting up the whole story, having a climax moment, having characters, secondary characters, theme, like all these things we talk about, but in this condensed form that cuts out all the fluff and the nonsense. And it feels like to the kids, like something they can master, no problem. And it, 
it just allows you to do a lot of really great stuff, but under the guise of creating a children's book. And I actually got that idea because in sixth grade, our sixth grade teacher did that. And we like learned how to bind the books by hand and we like made rough copies and then we made a final copy and you had to draw it and color it in. And I still have it because, you know, I don't throw things away. I know. It's called a boy and his horse. I will read it to you one night. Nice. We'll get some wine. (laughs) <laughs> romantic. I, um, I also want to say that if you are in elementary school and you have a kinder the reading kids that are reading on a kindergarten level that's a red flag um and be i think one of the most beneficial things that you can do for children is find out if there's actually a learning disability there for them like we knew that Brody was dyslexic way before oh, disappointed i didn't come up with this answer yeah this is the best answer. um way before and i didn't know what dyslexia was but i knew that he was struggling and i knew it wasn't for lack of reading or trying or i knew something else was going on but we didn't really get a diagnosis until third grade um and some schools and no aren't real required help until to, to test for dyslexia. No, but they can still test for a learning disability and there's such like very particular red flags yeah. for dyslexia. So even if they're not testing specifically for dyslexia, it'll still come up. Let, let me say this. And it's such an important thing for confidence within yeah. elementary school and that. early, the earlier you can detect it, the better chance that they have. And then their confidence goes up and their self-esteem. If they know that they're, it's not just them, like, or that they're stupid or something, that there's an actual reason for why they're, they're possibly struggling. Two things about that. One, well, three things. One, you're brilliant. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Two, there is, um, I met a woman at a conference in a dyslexia panel who stood up. She's a principal of a school. She did not know that she was dyslexic until she was like working on her master's. Hmm. And she took a test. She was in some kind of situation. She took a test. They told her she was dyslexic. It was like an app or something like that. And she said, more than anything, it like made her so happy because she realized that there was nothing wrong with her. Her whole life, she just thought she was kind of dumb and like had to work really hard because she wasn't as smart as everyone else. And she was like, no, there's actually something mm-hmm. different about the way that I process. Yeah, and the and way your brain works. I mean, she it's said literally it was so liberating. And another guy that they told the same story about was like the head one. They wanted him to be the head of the VFW. But to do that, you had to read the minutes from the last meeting. And he never did, even though he'd been like in, he was like a decorated officer and had all this great stuff to bring to to this position. He never did it because he couldn't read out loud. And so, again, he figured out that he was dyslexic and he was like, like, now I'm like free to be like, no, I'm not reading this. I'm like, I'm dyslexic. I yeah. can't, I can't do it. It's not something I can do. It makes me get right. Like I can't do emotional. it on the spot. You know your, your so, weaknesses yeah. and your. If strengths. that's a situation for anyone, please hit me up. You can just email me at realrapwithreynolds at gmail.com. And I have this woman that I've worked with before that I did uh, like a live feed with before. Um, Mary Jo Ellen, I think her name is. Um, she is awesome, and I can totally connect you with her. So if that's an issue, just let me know. I'm on it. Um, Nancy Martin is asking, hi, recently discovered your channel while I was panicking about methods of teaching. Well, I'm glad that you found us, Nancy. Um, and we've all, every single one, the people on here, I can almost guarantee has freaked out at some point, uh, except for Royster. He's just like most interesting man in the world. I'm being told it's similar to student teaching. My first day on campus is Thursday. Any tips? Uh, so Nancy, look, everything, 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 um, if, if, if this was a church, I'd have everyone yell this word out, out loud. 
is about relationships. The way you begin building relationships, even if you are in a school once a week, is by being visible and by just listening to students. That's it. So be at the door, be outside, be on the playground, like wherever you are, like you are, you know, saying like you are engaging your don't walk down the hallway and not say hi to people. If they catch your eye, hey, what's up, man? That's it. And then you just that familiarity will transfer over to everything else. So that is like my number one tip. Um, and and be kind to yourself. Like I said earlier, like just be nice to yourself because you are growing into the educator you will become. No one is instantly great. Some people are instantly good, but they're not like even those folks hopefully are going to grow an enormous amount. So just be be mindful of that. And best of luck. If we can help you with anything, let us know. And then you should probably jump into the Facebook group also because you'll find a lot of people that are in your similar situation that you can bond with, connect with, and share ideas with in there. Andrew is asking, just started a long-term sub for a teacher who quit and left nothing behind. Oh, man, they're the best. Uh, I've been struggling as I don't know where he left off and the class is in disarray. Should I just start from chapter one? Um, so, Andrew, I'd say this. One, I think this is a good Facebook question also for the for the group because you might find people that are teaching the same thing. So if you're teaching history or, or Spanish or whatever it is, they might be able to give you like some specific information. I, I would start off by trying to get to know students. So even if you've already started doing it, if you go on my website, realrapidreynolds.com, you can get a Who Am I sheet on there. And there's a list of, um, yeah, just start, start, I would start off with that one. You give that out and it gives you a basic idea of like who your students are and what they're about. And then dive into some of that stuff. If everyone's playing 2K, if everyone's watching a certain kind of movie, if everyone's watching um, You is a show on Netflix that all my students are watching all of a sudden, like get in, invested in some of that stuff and, and find out about it. And then I would ask kids to do two things. One, I ask them, What's a class? And I ask them to write this down. You're not allowed to trash talk any teachers, but you just write it down. One, what is something that a teacher has done in the past that you loved? Like they made class great by doing this. They made school worth coming to because of this. And two, what is something that teachers have done that you have hated, right? Like that's something that has not benefited you. Something that teachers thought that maybe they were, this was a good idea, but it was a terrible idea. So what you're doing is getting a sense of, how do students want to learn? How do they not learn? Do they like projects? Do they like independent work? Do they like you being very, very clear about like um, how you want work handed in or how you expect class to go, whatever it is. Then I think it is about uh, making connections with students, right? That's good, that whole relationship piece. And I, there's a ton of videos on my, on my channel that you can find out and watch on how to build relationships. The other thing is I think creating very a very consistent class so your class they should know what to expect every day they've probably if that teacher left nothing they, my guess is they just like got out of dodge right that's that's the sense i get from that so if you're starting with nothing those kids have zero idea what to expect in your class so of course it's going to be in disarray because there's no there's no consistency every day how can you create consistency in your class so i also have videos about like how to start your class, about um, how I start my year, how like second day, of the, uh, first day of class, second day of class, like I don't go over rules or any of that stuff. I just get it, the kids excited about it. 
And then how are you going to create consistency in your class? So like every day when we come in, this is where we get our work. Every day when we come in, this is what we do first. Every day when we come in, this is the second thing. Those things can change, right? So like what I do on Monday, first thing is not the same thing I do on Wednesday. So Monday is vocab, first thing as soon as you come in, and then a journal entry, and then we go over the vocab again. Um, Wednesdays is independent reading as soon as you come in, and then we do a vocab review as soon as that is finished. So independent reading, we talk about our independent reading books, and then like, so what are you reading this week? What's happening with your character? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Whatever is happening. And then we do a vocab review and then we go into the rest of the lesson. So every day there's, it is like, like the way we review vocab might not look the same from week to week, but they know there's a vocab review because they don't want it to get stale, but like, I want it to be consistent. So it's like, if I know that every morning I have to work out every day, every morning before I go to work, the workout might not look the same, but the workout time is never different. So that's, that's what I would keep in mind. Best of luck, man. That's a crazy job to get into, uh, but stick with it and see see what you can do with it and and um, try and have fun as much as you can, even in the madness. It's like fun to kind of dance amongst the madness sometimes and, instead of kind of run from it. Uh, Miss Joe 99 is saying, hiya, hiya. Uh, I was just wondering how you handle students with mental health issues. How lenient are you with deadlines, et cetera? Love from the Netherlands. Awesome. Um, I love when people from other countries are on here. I, it depends on the kid, right? So like, I am lenient always, and I'm very empathetic to mental health issues, especially for with young people, because they are not sure how to navigate it. A lot of times it's new. Um, but you do run into issues sometimes where kids are like, there was a kid um, last year that I had who had a grandfather that passed away, and he was very close with his grandfather. So we said, like, I, I have no reason to believe that he wasn't. Every time something happened in class, whether he was talking too much, whether he didn't hand in a homework assignment, whether he cheated on a test, whether he was being aggressive with another student, I would talk to him and he would go, you know, it's just that my grandfather, my grandfather just died. And like, in the beginning, it was like, I get it, man. Like, that hurt comes up and we're not really sure what to do with it. And it manifests itself in a number of ways. I know that happens in my own life when I deal with hard stuff and I snap on my kids or yell at my dog or something. And then I catch myself and I think that was not the way to go about this. But it happens so much that like seven months into the school year, one day I was like, bro, you've got to stop talking. I need to get through this. And you keep talking over me and I can't have that happening because it's distracting other people. Right? Like, so just, like maybe hold your breath for 30 seconds. And he goes, you know, Reynolds, I can't, it's hard. You know, my grandfather died. And a kid in the back of the room goes, bro, you can't say that about everything. And he was like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, you've been telling us your grandfather died like all year. Like that's your excuse, like literally for everything. And it was like, if you forgot a pencil, like that was his excuse. I'm not minimizing his hurt in the least, but I'm saying that sometimes these things become excuses for students or a crutch for students. And so I think I really like sitting down with students that are going through stuff and not just with myself, making sure that they have like, if there's a therapist, if there's a, a mentor that they have in the school with other teachers and trying to help them to figure out tools to, to, to help them get through the year. Like, what are we going to do to help you, um, make the best out of this? So kids that have depression issues in the past, I've gotten, I've, bought uh, something called the five minute journal. And it's a way to help yourself 
make goals for the day, short goals for the day, and also to be grateful every day. And we would all, we would write it together. We'd sit around a table in the morning, five minutes before school starts, sit down, write it, share what we had going on if you wanted to share. And then I would just say like, I hope you guys have a really great day. Like, remember that you're amazing and that I really care about you. And then that was it. But it was like, it was what we're trying to do here is not solve problems, but we're trying to get kids started off on the right foot and trying to help them know what tools are available when they're struggling with the things that are going on in their hearts and their heads. And so that's what I do. And, and, and then I feel it out with my intuition and I just let them know on the low, like, look, I'll give you till tomorrow, but I need it by tomorrow. Got it? Like, and if you need help, come see me. But if you're self-advocating, then I have a lot more leniency than if you're not. Um, so if you come to me, it's like, look, I'm having a really hard week. I'm having a really hard time. And we, we can talk about that. It's easier to do that. So I try and encourage that with students as much as possible. Um, Chris Quinn is asking, what are your suggestions for a new teacher changing careers in their mid 40s? I'll make the jump this year and it's terrifying. Hell yeah, Chris, because you're good at something probably. You're good at life. You were good at another job. And now it's like, now I'm going to start something new. And it's not like dating. It's like, it's like dating people. No, it's really nothing like dating at all. No, it's a terrible, terrible metaphor because that, never mind. Um, I would say, Chris, look, here, here's the, the beauty in starting something at 40. When you start teaching at 22, you, most people do not have experience in life. They haven't really been anywhere. They haven't, and I'm not, I'm overgeneralizing here, I realize this, but you have not gone anywhere. You haven't done anything. You haven't been through anything. You haven't really lost people. Like there's a lot of folks that have had like a pretty good life for 22 years. And then they get into something and it doesn't go well and they get punched in the face and it's like, they're all, they're hurt about it. And understandably so. In your 40s, you've probably been punched in the face many times by life. And it you can bring all that you've learned along with you, right? It's like Gandalf showed up and he's like spitting fire instead of Frodo, who's never been through anything in the beginning of Lord of the Rings, right? Like you have something to offer. So don't discount that. It is never about being cool. It's rarely about being relevant, like in terms of like you being the same age. So like a lot of times younger teachers that I work with think that they have an in with the students because they're younger, but my guys don't care. Like if you're 16 and someone's 23, you think that person's five minutes from death anyway, that's old as hell. Like, what do you mean you're 22? You're basically 50 and which is basically dead. So just remember that. I, I find that um, it is not your age, but your character and what you bring along and your deep care for the profession that's going to help you win. And so I wouldn't worry about that at all. It has zero to do with your age. Just try to really be there for kids and make school not suck, right? That's your job. Your job is to take something that sucks, which is school, and make it not suck or at least be less sucky. There's a t-shirt for you. Um, so good luck, man. I hope it's awesome. Uh, and good for you, like changing things up, uh, in your forties. That's not an easy thing all the time. So congrats. Uh, post savage. That's a great name. I'm going to read your question now. Uh, any advice for starting a new job, um, for teaching, I guess, or it could be any job. I would say this one, make friends because friends make everything better. Even if you're an introvert, it's about finding people to connect with because when you have those hard days in any job, um, it's nice to be able to go to someone to connect with them. I do not have a large circle of friends at school. 
and most of that is because they all left. And so uh, the people that I get down with are my people that are like my ride or die, like the people that I go to every single time there's an issue that they come to me, I go to them, and we are like, we have like this covenant with one another where that we, that we can rely on one another at work. I think trying to get in with people like that is really great. I'd also say, try and make it as fun as you as you can. I was reading in a book the other day oh, that said, said like- it's a counseling job. Oh, all right. So um, how can you make, I, I so immediately if I, so let me put myself in your position. I get a job at a new school and I'm a counselor. One, I'm building relationships with every single kid that I can. And I'm saying hi to everybody that I can. Two, I try and have fun as much as possible, right? And so that could just be, for me, it's being silly. It's it's being making a name for myself. It's connecting with kids in fun ways. Because again, I do dumb stuff, not because I just want to be popular, but because it makes school suck less. So like whether it's putting eyeball stickers on kids and saying, I've got my eye on you, or it's walking around with my um, painted uh, microphone bubble wand that I have, or whatever else I'm doing, or just talking to kids, right? And just asking them about what they're wearing or their shoes or like complimenting them. Like that all goes really far. I would create an office that was the greatest counseling office ever. Do no one wants to walk into it. I, as, and this is, you know, tainted by my, my love of, of creating spaces. But like, if I go into a counseling office, it's like, with the bright lights that are the fluorescent lights that are on with the regular old stuff all over the place. Like I'd rather sit like in a beanbag chair or something comfortable, or um, maybe you have like a weighted blanket in there. Maybe you have like different lighting in there. And it's like this, a kind of space that you want to go to that. If a kid's having a problem, they don't, it doesn't feel like a doctor's office. It feels more like you're getting coffee with a friend and talking over the things that are going on in your life. I think that that, is absolutely what I would try to go for. And um, yeah, so those are my my top I, some reasons. I never wanted to go to the counselor at school when I was in high school. No, I because like, they, they were never around. Yeah. It was like, the, I we, never I knew this who woman. they were, but yet I'm supposed to go confide in you? Get the heck No, it, it, it makes it so awkward because you don't have a relationship. Already. And the room is very sterile. There's like, you know, one of those cat poster, like cats hanging like, yeah. you know. Hang in there. Yeah. That's it. And it's so lame. Yeah. But if they made the space better. Which isn't like, hard, right? It's like, you not you don't have to make it look like, like a hippie den. No. There's not like a hookah in the corner, but you're, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if you live in, if you live in Amsterdam, maybe it is. But like, you are creating a space where it's like not the same old motivational yeah. pictures, not the same old seats. And like, there's ways to do that. Even if they give you like a regular office, yeah, absolutely. put some of your own personality into there, in there and stuff like, what motivates and just when you're theory. counseling someone, I would think it's about talking to them. Just like when you just talk, that's why I love our primary physician. This is totally off topic, sort of. <laughs> I love our primary physician because she just asks about regular stuff you do. Yeah. It doesn't just jump into like, what's going on. I'm going to be out of here in the next 20 seconds. It's yeah. like, what have you been up to? What are you trying to do? Because she knows I'm always doing weird stuff. And so it's about asking about that and yeah. asking questions and then getting a feel for who you're speaking with. And that just helps. Yeah. And, and But the vibe of the office, I think, has a lot to do with that. Um, it's a two-part. Got it. Amanda Lucas, two-part question. I'm, a new, uh, I'm new at a school that had 4% of its students pass the state test last year. The principal keeps asking me for guidance but doesn't follow through with any thing I ask for. I think I'll drown. 
uh, 105 kids and no team. Principal says things like, they won't be more than landscapers anyway. What would you do? I would give them Hamish's book. Through the principal? Yeah. Just sneak it in there? Nope. I would say, here, I think maybe this you would You mean Hamish Brewer? Yep. Hamish Brewer's from New Stop. Zealand. Um, gosh. That's a tough question. Part of me would say, give him a book to read. I mean, yeah. needs to be inspired by something yeah. new. He's apathetic to like, or have him come to your school, like, and hire him to come speak. Let's to your start school. with a book. So, look, I, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, I, I think <laughs> one, invite speakers to your school. Two, um, give your principal a book. Three, I think. So when I when I look at something like that, when I look at like this school wants me to raise my test scores or or like the, if we're talking about that thing, I don't look at I think we have a tendency to look at the kid that's on the kindergarten reading level in ninth grade and go, how do we get this kid to pass the test? That should not that's not your goal. Not that kid. Right. That kid we're looking to grow. Right. But not like. A nine years worth of reading goals in, in a year. That's like, right. come on, man. That's like asking me to bench press 300 pounds by the end of the year, man. Maybe I could bench press, you know, 100 pounds if I'm lucky by the end of the year, but like not, not that much. And I would look for who are, who are your kids that could probably get there? And then how do we get those guys? If you're looking at grades, if you're looking at test scores, how do we help those? So how do we helping everyone grow but then so, so that's going to give you your push for kids that are getting that that are passing the state test the second thing is incentivizing the test like we incentivize our test for students and so they all go to great adventure if they pass the state test and then um there's like if you get advanced proficient there's other incentives for that too and then i think it's celebrating growth it's not just it's not just can we pass the state test, but this is where our numbers were last year. What can we do this year? So it's trying to set a, a goal and then moving close to that goal. So the kid that got a two last year, can he get a 10, right? Can he get an eight? Can he get a 20? Like, like what can he move up to? And then I think it's looking at things that are like the actual issues, which I think most, I think a lot of testing for English anyway, is there's no academic grit there. Meaning kids see a passage that's this long. I know, I, I hear my students, they go, I'm not reading this whole thing. Tell them, read the whole thing. crazy? I'm not reading the whole damn article? For what? For the answer four questions? And so they try and skim through it or they try and read the questions and just find the answers and then, and then they can't find it. So then they just guess. So it's like teaching kids to break those things down, to read for grit, to read the question, like, like basic tips like read the questions first and then when you're reading it you'll go oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's what they asked and then connecting the dots so I, I think it's helping students realize that it's not this massive thing like why like how can we achieve this seemingly monumental goal by breaking it down into micro actions one Two, realizing why in the world would I even care about this test? Two, right? Because most kids don't think that there's any reason. Three, how can I incentivize this for my students? And four, how can I make this less suck or less sucky? So like I like try to 
do stuff during the test. Like when we have like little breaks in between, it's like a little party in my room where we're like getting down. I usually get yelled at by the people that are next door. Um, or we have like trash ball games or we have something that's like getting kids hearts pumping, getting them riled up about anything. doesn't matter what they're riled up about, like watching the video, playing a game, doing something, listening to music, rapping, whatever we're doing. And then we go back, we take that energy and start off the next portion of the test. So it's like little things like that are, are kind of what I do to, to try and do that or what my school does. Um, so yeah, that's where I would start. Uh, Jay is asking, um, hey, CJ. Hey, Jay. Why a novelist and spoken word poet here? Oh, awesome, man. Um, as I'm applying, so why a novelist? Jay, uh, do a little promotion in there, man. What have you written? Can we look you up somewhere and, and, and check out your stuff or, or see what, what's what? Um, as I'm applying and gearing up to teach in Philadelphia, how impactful would it be to incorporate my storyteller identity into my lessons for students? Bro, I think, look, look first of all, whoever you are should definitely show up in what you do, right? So like the fact that I play music, the fact that I do YouTube, the fact that I am a weirdo, all that stuff is a part of who I am in the classroom, right? And it's what separates me from everyone else. And that's great. It's like, I don't want to be, I don't need to be a superhero, but if I am, um, I want to be a part of the Avengers, right? Like, so like, I just think I don't want to be some hero that's out there on the street, like just by themselves. I want to be a part of a group of, of people that are really working hard and doing crazy stuff together. It's just, it's just more fun. It's like being at a party by yourself sucks. Being at a party with a bunch of homies is like the greatest. So I would absolutely do that. And I'm a natural, like I don't write novels, but um, I am a natural storyteller. So I tell stories constantly in class because it's how I teach. And I think there's a reason that things like, like that people teach through stories, whether you're Jesus or whether you're, I don't know, the history teacher, things are far more engaging if you teach through stories. And if you're a gifted storyteller, heck yeah, man, you should absolutely be using that. And talk about the fact that you wrote novels and what that was like and that hard work and what it was like to edit it and what it's like, like all that stuff should be things that show up in your lessons and in your classroom and in your conversations with students. Um, so yeah, I'd say that what you learn is you can't lean too heavy on one thing. So I can't be the joke guy all the time. I do it every day, but it's not like it, I don't, I don't want to look like I'm doing stand up, right? So like try not to lean too heavy on that one thing pull in all those other parts of your personality as well. And let those be evident in all of your lessons as well. Um, so look, best of luck, man. Uh, so Philly is great. If you ever have any questions, just hit me up, like DM me on, on Instagram or something like that. I'd be happy to, to help you with anything that I can. It's two parts. Cool. Two parts. Summer Tate. Um, Summer Tate can have, she can have a three part question. If yeah, she wants. yeah. Uh, I'm teaching the Indian border. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm reading this wrong. I am teaching the Indian bordering boarding house and recently i wait i'm teaching the indian border house and i've recently had my seventh graders listen to a podcast and engage in a google chat it was awesome some did tear up at uh, after listening to survivor testimonies awesome i'm already loving this should i worry that this topic will trigger a, will trigger a kid having dealt with trauma i asked this due to another teacher's concern i am personally fine with teaching it although it is dark and depressing so that's a really great question I, I think that comes from, 
so how would I do this? I would love people's advice on this question too. So if you look at Summer Tate's question, if you're not paying attention right now, um, then that would be amazing. So this year, uh, what were we? We were watching something. Oh, we were wa we watched um, every year. I watch like an episode of a show, and then we break it down. Like we'll look for theme, imagery, something like that. So this year we were watching a show called Shooter um, on, it's on USA, it's Ryan Phillippe. It's really fun, kind of like nonsensical show. But we're watching that and one of my students was killed earlier in the year. So if you follow my channel, you know this. Um, when Saeed was killed, we came into school the next day and students that didn't know about it were like, yo, are we gonna watch the show? And I'm like, no, this isn't like, the time like we can't i'm not going to watch this show about someone who's a, who has a gun um after someone was killed with a gun and so that it's being mindful at stuff like that but i i think there's something to reading those I, I here's what i think i think that when mr rogers says that what is mentionable is manageable and so if we are not hiding these things, these feelings, these, these overwhelming situations in our life, if we are putting, putting them in the light and actually like interacting with them, talking about them, having those feelings and not being afraid of it. So like, you know, in mental health circles, like the, the, the beauty behind going to therapy is not just getting answers for your questions, but it is just sharing it. It's taking that thing that is dark, that's haunting you and putting it in the light. There's so much value in that. So I think maybe trying to, to get it a sense of like who in your school might be dealing with this, what might it trigger for them, but also not talking about things like they're just dark and depressing, like that, that is fine. But what's the hope in this? What's the beauty in this? Like, what do we learn from this? And even if it's something awful, like internment camps, slavery, uh, concentration camps, um, the, the trail of tears, whatever that is, maybe there was no happy ending. But what can we look back and learn from that situation that's going to make us hopefully make better decisions in the future? I think that's the only kind of good thing that can come out of that. And honoring the people that, that went through it, I think that that is where I would start. And that's the conversation I would have. There's literally, there are no things in my class that we don't talk about. So the other day, uh, I walked into a class that was happening in my room, and they were talking about cultural appropriation. And so I immediately being so the teacher was like black male, uh, and students are all African American. So they, um, and the guy that was teaching is actually like his family's from Africa. So they were talking about this thing. And I walked in, they were like, well, Reynolds, what do you think about that? And I think a lot of teachers would be put off by that and they wouldn't want to answer. And I, I don't, I don't know everything. I'm not like the smartest guy when it comes to having every single conversation, but I definitely just don't back down from things because I very rarely have a stance. I more am willing to have the conversation. And so it's like, I throw things back to kids. Like, here's how I think. What do you think about that? Like, like, what do you feel? How does that make you feel? Like, let's have that conversation, that back and forth. And so I think that that's, that is really important to kind of keep in mind as well. Got another one? Mm -hmm. Short answers, questions, long answers. Oh, I love this video. Uh, well, Go should I try and answer now? Yes, okay. of course. Who else would it be for? I don't know. The community. I know, I'm just kidding. Uh, Nancy <laughs> Martin is asking, 
for people who are in school for teaching, teacher, student teaching methods, et cetera, how do you connect with students that are not your own? Um, I, you know, Nancy, look, I, I, I'm, there's probably a ton of people that can answer this or speak to this. When I was in student teaching and before that, we did uh, what we call practicum. So you would go to a school like once a week or eventually it was like five times a week or three times a week or whatever. I just talk to kids, but I don't, it's not about school. I don't ask them what's their favorite classes, what their lesson is, what they want to be when they grow up. Like none of the regular stuff. That's all regular stuff that adults ask kids all the time. Like, oh, so do you like school? What are you guys learning in this class? Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when you ask an 11 year old, it's like, they don't really know what they want to be. Like I wanted to be a garbage man. And that was just because I thought it was so badass the way that thing could crush like a garbage truck could crush stuff. And you got to ride on the back of the truck. To be honest with you, I still want to do that one day. I would love to just ask my trash man and take a ride down the block with you and help you, uh, like throw a dresser in the back of the truck. Cause it looks amazing. Um, but that is, you know, I, I think it's, what, yo, what video games, games are you guys playing? Like, yo, if you could eat one cereal for the rest of your life, what would you eat? If you could fly or breathe underwater, which one would you pick? If you could talk to animals or um, have like uh, or climb things like Spider-Man, which one would you do? It's for me, it's like asking not just ridiculous questions like that, but like getting an insight on students and then asking them about that so like if you know that all your students like 2k then if there's an update or if there's a new one that comes out yo did you guys see the new 2k bro it's so good and then or it was trash and i hated it like then you're having that conversation if you know all your students are watching frozen 2 or they went and they loved you know they saw rise of skywalker and they have feelings about it it's it's finding out what they're interested in and making it about them. It's not you sharing you all the time, although that's important. It's you finding out what kids are interested in and connecting with them on that level. Um, and you can just add, like the other day, this, I had to cover a class and it was like, bed, it was madness in there. And I said, yo, 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 I need everyone's attention for literally five seconds. I want to have, I, I'm, I'm interested in something. Um, what do you think was the worst marvel movie to come out because i'm watching through all the marvel movies now on disney plus what do you is are there any that i should skip uh, that was my question are there any that i should skip and then i pulled those kids to the side and we had that conversation for 10 minutes and then everyone else got to work and, and honed in and i was able to like like reintroduce those kids into work but it's it made it about them like you are you're the professional right now i know nothing about this I do it every year when I buy my kids Christmas presents. I always ask my students what I should get, what games I should get, what kind of controller I should get, what kind of headphones I should buy them, what kind of hoverboard, which that was a terrible idea because Marley broke her arm. Um, but those are the kind of things. That's how I get engaged in that. That, that would be my recommendation. Um, da Vinci C is asking, I think I, I said that right. Hi, this is my first time on the live stream. Awesome, man. Welcome. Or girl, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't want to be exclusive there, but welcome. Do you exhibit students' work uh, done in class? So sometimes um, I don't hang papers up. I don't put grades up on the wall. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not my jam. I do, like if we do projects, I put them, I have like, I don't just put them on a shelf. I like will light them on a shelf or I hang them on a wall. We make like a thing out of them um, to show what students are working on. So 
if we're building with Legos or we're building with clay or where do you get a snack? No. Like your cardboard oh. or the board away. Oh, okay. This made me hungry immediately when I thought I got a snack. Yeah. So that's that's the way that I kind of do that. And then when I do it, so like last year we made these really cool masks for Lord of the Flies where I brought in like pipe cleaners and pieces of plant, a uh, fake plant from the dollar store and like all this other crap. And we made these masks that the kids could wear while we were reading Lord of the Flies. They we put them on the wall and I made like little cards that I typed out. So it looked like little, like, like artist cards that like, if you went to the art museum, like um, this is the artist, this is what was, this is what they meant by it. And then these were the uh, made with fake plants, straws and a solo cup or whatever it is. And it was just kind of made it fun and funny at the same time. I did that one already. I don't know. Awesome. Portia, Portia Martin is asking, I am a young parrot and everyone in our district is miserable. It's not, it's, it's funny because it's so ridiculous and it's so true. Like I would never read that the beginning of that and go, this girl's lying. It's like, no, no dude, I like they are. And, but it's like in a job where you cannot be like you being miserable is ruining everything and yeah. it's not the teacher's fault really it's like you know no, i think it's administration yeah i mean look i don't who am i to say where the fault lies because i don't know There's the a lot particular district and stuff like that but yeah i just hear you and, and it sucks um yes. it's scary to see how everyone hates their jobs what can i do so that i am the teacher that doesn't act up like that or end up like that um push it <clears throat> i think one being mindful of who you're around your whole life is your sick, I think your success in anything is largely predicated on your ability to surround yourself with the right people and really, really being mindful of that. That doesn't mean you exclude people, right? But you put um, the right label on people. You put people in the right category. So this is someone I can hang out with and maybe we go for a drink or coffee after school, but like I don't share like my most intimate details of, about my class or how I feel about things with them. But these people over here, these are who I go to when I really want to try something crazy, when I really want to get excited about something like like finding even if it's one person. And if those people do not exist, connecting with them online. So like in the Facebook group or here in the chat every week, like is a good space to find people to connect with that you are getting excited about doing stuff with. So that's that's one. Two is I really think there is an incredible amount that you can learn and ways that you can grow by preparing yourself before you leave the house every day. So are you, and look, even if you're not religious, like just sort of meditating and being grateful, like putting yourself in a mindset of gratefulness and of being excited about the day, like thinking about things that you can be excited about that already exist in your life, right? So like, the fact that your heart is beating, the fact that you are warm and safe, the fact that you are, that you or your loved ones are cared for, like only the good things, right? It's easy to have that kind of negativity talk on the other shoulder and into that ear. Um, but just you're, you're constantly doing that. What that does is it puts you like your whole life is what you think about all day, right? Like, like, I don't, like, if you are walking around reminding yourself the things that are standing out, the things that bother you, the things that you lack in your life are what is bothering you. Like there's so much to be grateful for that. If you can live out of that space, it literally transforms 
your day when you go to school. And I know this from doing it, from getting up at five o'clock in the morning and sitting and making myself do this, even when I don't want to do it, I force myself to be grateful for things. That's huge. And then thinking about whose day can you make better today, right? If you wait for other people to make you happy, it's going to suck. So I do, I do dumb stuff. Like last week I covered some classes and I got my school pictures back and I replaced people's pictures on their desks with pictures of me. So like that picture of you and your husband when you went on that really cute trip um, <clears throat> to Arizona and you got to see the Grand Canyon is now a picture of Reynolds. Um, and last year's yearbook, I had a mustache just as a joke. And uh, now you have mustache Reynolds in there. And I want to see how long it takes you to, to notice that that was in there. Um, I have a plan and she doesn't watch this channel, but I have a plan for a friend who is having a difficult year. And I'm going to fill her office this year with balloons. This is like a thing I've been thinking about. Um, I've been trying to think of ways that I can, I've been trying to think about like printing my face out on stickers and putting them in people's rooms and hard to reach places. So they can't just take it down, but if they have really high ceilings, it'd be like a Reynolds face sticker up there. And just, I think like in, for me, right, this is my personality and, and for your personality, you can think of something that, that is fitting. It is how do I, how do I insert fun, silliness, and love every single day, no matter what. There's some kid tomorrow that's going to show up to school that had the shittiest weekend of his life or her life. What can you do to make their day a little better? There's someone that's going to show up tomorrow that feels like they're invisible. How are you going to show them that they're not invisible? Like It's those little things that you can do that make an enormous change in people's lives. So when it feels like the whole world's against you, right? When the Whole, when the battle is when it's like one of those scenes in a war movie where like the whole like other army is coming at you like how do you get past one of their soldiers how do you get past two of their soldiers and not thinking about like how do i defeat like this whole army it's like no how do i like i really had to do with killing i didn't really like that <laughs> metaphor but anyway you see what i'm talking about like that's that's what i would do um Cherry Herr is asked, what a great name. Cherry Herr is asking, how do you handle state testing stress on your students? Um, I kind of already talked about this in an earlier question, but I would say, one, I let my students know why it's important, uh, if it's important. So like different schools I've worked at, like it's important in some and not in others. Like in New Jersey, you had to pass the state test to graduate, right? If you didn't, you got what was called a certificate of attendance. And so if that was like, bro, that means you went to school for 12 years, some of you 13 years for what? Like now you don't even get to graduate. So why is this important? And then rig the game so they can win. Yo, here's what we're going to focus on. These are tried and true strategies that are going to help you do better. And there's only four of them. I'm not going to tell you 50 things <clears throat> that are going to help you do better. Here's four things. I think we overcomplicate things and we make them too difficult. It is the reason that when I exercise, I only do three exercises. That's it. Um, there is a reason that like when I like, so you are, you're making the choices so limited that it's like, look, one, you have to be able to read through the whole thing that's on the test, no matter what, bam, read it. Like, and we're going to walk, work through strategies to help you to be able to do that, to feel like you can do that and to see the importance of doing that. Two, there are four choices for every question. One of them is nonsense. Let's figure out how to identify which one. So now you have a far better chance. I don't know percentages because I'm an English teacher, but you have a betterish chance of doing better if you figure out which one is is not <clears throat> is nonsense and then like little things like that um so it's like 
for like, look, everyone knows this. As a YouTuber, I know that if I make a video and I say five ways to do this, four ways to do this, my top 10 list for doing this, those are far more clickable because we want limited options. We don't want to have, if I made a video that was like a hundred ways to make a class more engaging, that's like, damn, bro, that's too much. It's too much coming at, right? Like make it limited. And then I think that that's how you, you win within those situations. Good. Yeah. Got it. Um, welcome to this amazing life is asking, how, how are you? I see you here every week and I appreciate it. Um, how do you, I'm, I'm learning to read. How do you get the quiet kids in your class to be more engaged in class discussion. I think it has everything to do with building confidence in students and self-esteem. And how do you do that? You let them know that they're awesome. Uh, sometimes I give them fun nicknames. Sometimes I shout them out for, for no reason. And I'll just be like, does everyone know that like a man over here is like an, is epic at drawing. Like his drawings are so amazing. If you have a chance to talk to him about it sometime, you should like for the other, like, drawing people in the room, you do that. I also will <clears throat> put older students in charge of, oh my gosh, I'm really, <clears throat> really verklempt. <laughs> you love using that word. It's the only word I know that describes that situation. Um, I will, so like this year I had a new student come in, extremely quiet, went to another school his whole life and came here and know no one. So I put, Dudes like my guy, DJ Dirty Kev, who's like a really great kid. I put Muppet, um, all these other guys in charge of just saying hi to that dude in the hallway. That's it. You don't have to engage with him. You don't have to ask him who his favorite author is or video game or anything. Just be like, yo, what's up, man? You know, and they have to call my name. Like, what's up, Mark? Yo, what's up, Taid? Like, whatever their name is, you are making them feel like they're a part of what's going on here and they're not invisible. And then I start, eat, I invite them to eat lunch with me. And then when I'm, when I'm eating lunch with them, I find out, oh, you play this video game. Oh, you like this kind of comic book. Yo, hold on one second. Yo, my man, come here. Can you believe he plays the same video game as you? Or he loves the same stand-up comedian as you? Or he loves that same documentary as you? Now it's like, oh, for real? Yeah. And then you start talking with them, right? So you're facilitating the conversation so they're not just by themselves. And then you slowly back away from that. Now you have a friend. Now you feel like someone else understands you. Now you feel like you're seen in the school. Now you feel like you are, your awesomeness is worth sharing. And then one, through that, now it's game on. Now I have to shut you up in school because now you, I've created a monster and now you talk all the time and laugh and are really feeling yourself. So that's the other side of that coin. Um, what you got there, dude? Oh, sorry. Oh, shoot. You lost it. No. That poor person. No, we have two more. Got it. Two more. Uh, Divincency is asking, lesson plans is routine in my school, but my question is, do you incorporate things that students are doing in other subjects in your unit plans? You know, I would, if I taught at a school where the same people taught at my school every year, I would do that, right? Um, but the fact is I don't. Like, folks don't last that long, and you're never sure who's going to leave and who's going to stay. I, so the other day we're, we're reading Merchant of Venice and we're talking a lot about like how in that time that, that Merchant of Venice came out, like how Jews were sort of treated, how they were disrespected, like a number of the things that they have sort of had to go through. And as I was making copies, I saw, I don't know what teacher this was, someone talking about 
the Jewish religion, like in their class and struggles that uh, the Jewish people have had over, you know, for forever. And I thought, gosh, I would love to team up with that person and really talk about that. At the same time, I've done like um, Lord of the Flies and someone was teaching about World War One or World War Two, And I'm like, I'd love to connect these two things. There have been times when I taught night um, and by uh, Elie Wiesel. And so he would, which is a book about the Holocaust. And I, I find out someone's teaching about the Holocaust. I'm like, man, I'd really love to tie these two things together. So I, in, in a perfect world, in a, in a different place and time, I would absolutely do that. But the teachers are always changing and the, the, what they teach is always changing. So it's just like never a perfect situation, but I think it's a great idea. Okay. Ashley S is really needing, she was like, no, you haven't gotten to mine, but yeah. she was next. Well, Ashley S, we're so. going to answer this. I hope I have a great answer. How would you deal with support staff overstepping bounds? 24-year-old teacher, 55-year-old sped support teacher in the room. 24-year-old teacher talked down to by support. Being young and looking young sucks uh, sucks ass, I think that says too. <laughs> um, but how sucks. would you handle a 55-year-old TA? who is there because it's an inclusion class undermining 24 year old in front of the students. Damn. Um, Let me see what else. If she said it. And she said it happened in the class, in the class with students present. Yes. So now you look like right. you a just schmuck made you feel like an ant. because someone put you on blast or, or dissed you. Or and not only is it one time, she said the only time it doesn't happen is when the bat building admins are around. So that's, he's like, a, that's like abuse. So, so look, that's terrible. there's a couple of things I would do. One, I would talk to somebody about it, like, and not in a, I'm telling on you kind of way. Cause you don't want them to like, what you don't want them to do is like call that person in. And they're like, um, Ashley said this about you. And then they're going to be like, no, 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 that's not how it happened or whatever. It's like that, that, that's, you don't want that to come back to you, but Go to someone that's trusted and say, here's the issue that I'm having, and I'm not sure what to do with this. And I say this out of experience. I once had, um, <clears throat> in my many, many, many co-teachers that I've had over the years, uh, I had a guy that came in who was probably in his mid-60s. He would sleep in the back of my room in the corner, and then when he would wake up, he would like raise holy hell in the class every week. It was so aggravating because he would just like, <laughs> he would tease the students he would get on them about stuff he would just start lecturing i'd be in the middle of a of a lesson and somebody would talk to somebody else and and before i had a chance to handle it he would be like none of you guys ever pay attention none of you ever do the right thing all you ever do is talk and would be like become like this evil preacher all of a sudden and it was like bro what are you like now you just muddied the waters to a point where like we're not getting back to like i'm never going to get back to this again and I had to start designing lessons around his temper tantrums. So I just went to the head of curriculum and I went to my department head and I went to the assistant principal. I was like, look, here's the problem I'm having. I have zero idea what to do about this. Like, how do I help? How do I, like, this is a grown man. Like, how do I help navigate the situation when they're acting like they're a small child? So that helped. Um, the other thing I did was try and build a relationship with that guy outside of school. So it was like, yo, uh, do you want to get like a drink on Friday after school? Like, you know, I feel like I don't know that much about you. And so once you get to start knowing one another and build, cause he also came in mid year. I had, we started off with a woman that lasted a day. 
Uh, and so I must be really hard to teach with because she lasted one day and then she quit. She went to lunch and never came back, which is it's not you. Maybe she got kidnapped. I have zero idea, but like, um, she never came back. And then this dude was hired like a month later. And it's like, if you're a support staff and you get hired in the middle of the year, that really means you couldn't find a job anywhere else. Cause I mean, come on, man. So they hire this dude and it was a total nightmare. So doing that helped a little bit. Like, and, and I think that that's my biggest piece of advice is like, how can you connect with this person, even though they aggravate the hell out of you? Because then they start seeing you for a real person and what your what your passion is and how you're so excited to be here and what's going on. Um, and I think the third is it's and this is the, this is the answer that no one wants. It's having an uncomfortable conversation with someone to say, look, this happened in class and it wasn't the move. What you did made me feel like this because this is how I like let me tell you how I see this maybe you saw it differently I saw this happening you said this which completely diminished who I was and what I'm about and 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 my authority in the classroom and then um I'm so I'm wondering what your your takeaway from that was and I think people treat us the way we teach them to treat us like when you when you let people walk over you when you let them talk over you when you let them um take over the conversation when you let them say stuff about you some of that has to do with our inability to let them know i will not take that i will not let you do that and so and that can be tough and look that's really really easy for me to say but I really like when people like me. It is very difficult for me when someone doesn't like me. It's like a it's like a hurdle. And it's something I've gotten better at over time. And some people hurt more than others. Some people like diss me and I'm just like, bro, whatever. Um, but even on YouTube, like I've talked about this before, I might get literally a hundred kind comments on a video. And it's the one person that's like, this is racist. You know, you don't, you don't really care about learning. You and I'm like, damn, like that's the one that like I remember and I'm sitting there. Like I'm in a bar at night, just like, oh, life is so good. hundred kind comments. And then that one person uh, said something mean. And now I'm like in drunken stupor. Like, I, so I get it, but I've learned that like, that is a skill that the more I can do it, the more I can like, um, the more I can exercise that it is, it gets stronger. It's easier to do. I'm more confident in, in getting into those things. Because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're not going to catch on fire, right? Like you're not going to, it's not going to be the end of the world. And so, you know, or maybe there's someone you can talk to and you can say like, can this person be switched out of my room? Like this is not going to work. She said, A, she's went to admin and they told her it's just a 24 year old thing. Like there's, so there's no help for her and apparently Bullshit. how can they diminish listen, someone because well, of how old they are yeah, right? i know but it's like what do you what is she supposed to do with that answer that's the answer that she's get it, given yeah. like what are you supposed to do with that and then the other thing i was reading through the comments and she said that um they can't get fired and they can't get relocated so it's like she's literally stuck so i think your only option is really to have the uncomfortable conversation or find a new school so here's here's one thing i've done before too um I have this. I have found ways to separate the class. Where, like, when I have a co-teacher that I can't stand, um, I will say, "Hey, today we're going to do uh, small groups." So I think sometimes when we read in small groups, it's too loud when you have thirty kids in the room and they're even broken into like groups of of even five. That means there's six groups 
of five kids broken up and they're all reading aloud. So I'll say, hey, this room's open. Would you mind taking this one or two groups over there? Here's the assignment. This is what we're working through, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's what we're going to do. And then that kind of like shifts things a little bit or putting them in charge. If you can put them in charge of something, like give them a job, like uh, can you teach this or I want you to cover this or can you work with so-and-so like who's really struggling one-on-one -on -one in the back or these two kids in the back or in another room or whatever. So now they have something to do besides just sit there and watch and nitpick. You're actually giving them a job and, and saying like, or present them with the problem. This kid's really having a, a problem that you already know the answer to. This student's really having a hard time with this. They're really not understanding this book. What do you think we could do to help that kid? So now you're putting them in a position of power. You're all, you're, you are honoring their, what the amount of time that they've put into education. And maybe they go, you know what? I got this. Let, I'm going to pull them aside and I'm going to work with them. And it's really about like separating your ego and letting them have like you want them to have the win so that they're doing something with this energy that they have. Um, that might be a good answer, too. So, look, um, it's Ashley, right? Uh, I think so. Ashley, uh, try any number of those things. Please come back next week and, and we will look for your name. And then um, I'll like I'd love to know what's going on and if we can help out and if there's anything we can do. I would also put this in the Facebook group. I know that's my answer for a lot of things. But the reason I say that to people is there's other folks that are dealing with the same sort of situations you are in the, oh, I don't know, over 2,000 people. Or Amanda over here is, is dealing with the same thing as yeah. well. So, so it, it's like try try to connect with those folks and then like you can even trade phone numbers or emails and and like really get in deep and like um, try, and, try and figure that out together with people that are going through the same thing. Um, do we have one more? Um, no, but if you can apologize to, I think it was Stephanie or somebody, she did not like your comment of a uh, support teacher getting a job in the middle of the year. She's like, that's not true. No, no. <laughs> Look, what I mean is like, so let me, let me break it down like this. Support teacher in a school like my, like when we bring in interviews in the middle of the year, it's always like the worst people because they, it's like people that lie on their resume and look, I, I, maybe someone is great and they get like, I wish they, those people would show up, but it's very, very rare that in, your experience, in right? my experience that like someone comes in, especially if you're looking for like, like, let's say like the special ed science teacher leaves. It's like, there's in so high demand that it's like, yo, if you don't have a job in the middle of the year and this is your, this is your jam. It's like, what did you do? in your old, did you set someone on fire? Like what happened? So yeah, so I, I didn't mean that to diss you. I apologize. Um, that's it for now. Cause it's yeah. one twenty in and, and our kids have to eat. And Sorry, I'm we can't answer all the questions. Look, I can't answer all the questions every week, but this is what I would, I would say. There's the Facebook group and next week we're here 5 p.m. on the dot usually every Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. If you get your question in quickly, like just show up. Put your question in there and we have more of a likelihood to be able to get to that because there's just so many questions. And that's like really kind of lovely, but like it does, it is crushing. And like, that's why I like when we have Mondays off because it's like, we'll just go hard and answer every question. Um, <laughs> so look, gang, I hope you have a great week. If you've not uh, been a part of our Facebook group, you can go over there. I'm going to actually share the cover to my book um, right when I get off of this. I'm going to make a post tonight so everyone can see what the cover looks like because I'm really, really excited about it as my friend. Uh, Alois McElwain, who's um, Cultures and Clothing, he goes by on Instagram, and he 
is the graffiti artist from Philadelphia that created my book cover uh, for Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And that's it, everybody. I hope your week is awesome. And that's it. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.